Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late. Very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it i don't think so verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one you break it we upgrade it you dunk it doggy bone it <laughs> slam it wham it strawberry jam it we upgrade it Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. He was hours away from dying before Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitz finally commuted his death sentence. And Julissa Jones' sister says his, the commutation isn't enough. We'll talk with her on the show. Closing arguments began today in the trial of the three white men who chased and gunned down Ahmaud Arbery. The defense attorneys are doing all they can to make Arbery look like a villain and not a victim, even down to, even down to trashing his toenails and blaming it on the Black Panther group. Folks, racism run amok in Glenn County courtroom. 
New documents reveal how Facebook ignored recommendations to stop hate speech aimed at their minority users. We'll talk with Rashad Robinson, president of Color of Change, who's one of the folks who met with them to stop the action. The man accused of plowing down dozens of people during the Wisconsin Christmas parade that murdered, that killed five people, faces multiple homicide charges. We'll give you an update. Plus, it's Diabetes Awareness Month. We'll talk to Grammy-nominated gospel singer Bishop William Murphy about how he decided to take his health into his own hands and get weight loss surgery. Plus, it's Thanksgiving week. Our Fit Live Win segment will find out if a healthy Thanksgiving meal can exist and still be tasty. Also, what you can do to stay on track with your fitness goals. It is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Also, I'm sorry, Salette O'Brien is going to be joining us talking about her documentary on HBO on Black and Missing. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best belief, he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Oklahoma Pardon Parole Board, folks, they voted twice, three to one, to commute the death sentence of Julius Jones. It, it really was a fairly easy decision for Governor Kevin Stitt to simply commute it. But he waited and waited and waited. Did not make the decision until three hours before he was supposed to be executed. What did Julius have to go through? He wrote out his final words, ate his last meal, and had his final meeting with his family before Stitt commuted his death sentence. Now, although Julius's family is happy he's still alive, they say they're not giving up on him from coming home. Joining us now is Julius Jones's sister, uh, who joins us right now. Uh, glad to have you uh, on the show, uh, Antoinette. For, for, first and foremost, um, you know, to put him and the family through that, I mean, that was cruel and unnecessary punishment. That, uh... Yeah, it was inhumane, the the process of it all, uh, down to the last few hours. Um, that was, I don't even really know what to say other than that was, it was, um, it was nerve wracking. Uh, all I could think about was what he was going through, you know. But I held on to what God had told me is that he shall not be executed. But when you say um, you haven't given up, first of all, he commuted to life in prison without parole. But the parole board made clear that there are serious questions regarding uh, this particular case, N not just whether or not uh, he should stay in prison. They, they're making it clear that the case should be reexamined. Correct. Not only did they vote once, but they voted twice in favor of Julius having a uh, life with the possibility of parole. So it's it's a it's frustrating, confusing, and you know I I don't 
I don't understand. Like uh, the, just the simple fact that he didn't want to meet with with us, like that that right there, that was confusing. You know, he's supposed to be the, he's governing over uh, the state of Oklahoma, so it it just felt we felt ignored, we felt invisible. Those those last few days, um, all I can say is that I'm grateful that uh, Governor Stitt stopped the execution and, and commuted the sentence. But uh, yeah, his his words with with what you just stated very disheartening because um, there's so much overwhelming evidence pointing away from Julius. So it's I, I don't know. All I can say is that I'm relieved that he did not get executed. Um, we were blessed to visit him Sunday and be able to touch foreheads and hold hands and pray together. And I have to I have to stay the course of staying focused, but because this fight is not over with, so I would definitely be um, going back to his lawyers, try, trying to see what the process is going to be uh, for what we can do because. It's still there's still injustice for Julius. What is next, and what are you calling on people uh, to assist you with? Uh, I mean, you know, is there a pathway to have this case uh, reviewed, the evidence reviewed? So first, I just want to thank the world for speaking up on Julius' behalf. Um, I would definitely be going back to his lawyers, kind of seeing what what the next stages will look like, uh, but. A lot of people have been telling us to rest um, because, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I haven't been able to sleep long hours, but um, I appreciate the world for speaking up on Jesus' behalf because it takes us all. Um, we hope that the, the the people that are supporting us, we hope that they can will continue to stay with us. We're still, um, we're still trying to keep in touch and, you will know more if you uh, follow the website, justiceforjuliusjones.com, um, and you subscribe on from the website. If you subscribe, you will get updates for things that are going to come, uh, that are going to happen, like events and things that will that will happen. All right, then. Well, Antoinette, surely keep us abreast of what uh, is going to happen next. Uh, we will continue uh, to stay focused on this case as well, uh, because, again, lots of questions have been raised, uh, and they need to be dealt with uh, by the state of Oklahoma. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Um, I want to go to um, my uh, first this next story, which is just unbelievable. Uh, closing arguments today in the Ahmaud Arbery case, folks. And racism was just up front as the attorneys, as the white attorneys for the three white men on trial for killing Arbery, for lynching him, just said some of the most heinous, despicable things in an effort uh, to get the jury uh, to agree with them, to find them not guilty. Listen, just listen to this. Travis is thinking about Ahmaud Arbery. He's thinking about what must be in his mind in order for himself to try to figure some things out. Travis knows that he caught Ahmad going into the house. He knows that. And so Ahmad should know that Travis knows that. He knows that Ahmad has been down on the dock and that Ahmad should know he's been down on the dock, that he's been on someone else's property. He's got to know that by now, Travis is thinking. He knows it's not his home or his house under construction. 
he knows that he's been caught sneaking around the bushes. Travis is the one that caught him. He knows that there's been a confrontation about that. He knows, he believes Mr. Arbery's got to be, this guy, this, this, this man has to understand that these things have taken place, that he had headlights on him, that, that, that somebody was trying to talk to him about why he was out after dark in front of this house, and he didn't respond. If I say to, to one of you, hey, how are you doing? And you just look at me and you walk away. You know you've looked at me and walked away. You know that. Turning Ahmad Arbery into a victim after the choices that he made does not reflect the reality of what brought Ahmad Arbery to Satilla Shores in his khaki shorts with no socks to cover his long, dirty toenails. Toenails. She actually said his dirty toenails. My pal, Dr. Julian Malvo, Dean, College of Ethnic Studies, California State University, Los Angeles, Anisha Cross, political analyst, democratic strategist, Dr. Omakongo Dabinga, professorial lecturer, School of International Service, American University. Uh, Amisha, I want to start with you. Uh, it is, I mean, to one, to blame Ahmad for him being murdered, for him being lynched, when the homeowner who owned that home testified, nothing was stolen. When these three racists testified that, yeah, they didn't see him take anything, they made all kinds of assumptions. But for her to stand there and his dirty toenails, that is beyond despicable. You're right. This defense got desperate a long time ago. Um, the, 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 the state put a very strong case against them in their closing arguments earlier today and outlined just why this would never fly as not only any form of self-defense, but also not even um, any form of real citizen's arrest. So what we see here is a woman who did what white supremacists do best. Um, she leaned back on white fear. She leaned back on the fact that there are several people across multiple states, several white people across multiple states, who do not want black people in their neighborhoods, who are, you know, if something goes missing or if something goes wrong or they fear that their community has changed in any type of way, that automatically there is a black person to blame. She fell on all of that, even though there is no evidence to present any amount of guilt for, guilt for Ahmaud Arbery at all. We hear about dirty toenails in a case where the people who she's trying to protect are murderers who literally attacked a young man in broad open daylight who had no weapon, who was in retreat, who did not know them from Adam, who had every right to run along the side of the street anywhere in America he chooses to run. Um, this It was just really frustrating to watch, especially in the closing argument. This is the moment in which you're supposed to make the best case you can for the last thoughts of the jury before they go back and they make their decision. I think that because of the desperation that this defense feels at this point, they're leaning back on the one thing they know and that we've seen from some of the residents from Satilla Shores who have set on, um, set on the witness stand at this point. There are some innate racist thoughts within these individuals. And I think that because this is a jury of the McMichaels peers, be mindful, this is a jury of the McMichaels peers. This is not a jury of Ahmaud Arbery's peers. There happens to be an idea that if she can at least place one seed of fear of just a black man being there, being in a neighborhood that she doesn't believe that he should have been a part of at all, then that's enough for them to either lessen the sentence or not convict at all.
um, Julian prosecutor Linda uh, Dunikowski really laid it out and made it very plain for the jury uh, in her closing arguments. Listen. So what are you going to hear? I don't know. What to, I don't know what they're going to say. They're good. They're good defense attorneys. They're going to get up here, and I'm. The state is so worried that they're going to make it seem so reasonable that everything that Travis did and Greg did is just so reasonable. I'm just ask you, use your common sense and put your thinking caps on. But this is what I anticipate, what we anticipate they're going to say. The victim started it, or you're going to hear that he was the aggressor, okay, because he was running towards Travis McMichael, but he was running away from Mr. Bryan, who'd already tried to hit him with the pickup truck, and Greg McMichael said it. He was trapped like a rat. He knew there was nowhere else to go. You know? Or they're going to tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, this is really about the front of the pickup truck. Forget everything else. It was all about the front of the pickup truck. And they're going to try and make it seem like, well, he attacked Travis McMichael. He very well might have. We can't see. What we know is his hand was like this, right? Doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because they weren't committing a citizen's arrest. They weren't in fear, real fear, of imminent danger from Mr. Arbery. They weren't committing the four felonies. That's what they were doing. You're going to hear, we weren't committing felonies. We were doing a citizen's arrest. We weren't trying to provoke him into defending himself. You're probably going to hear this. Yes, we pointed a shotgun at him to get him to comply with our orders. Not sure why anyone should comply with their orders to stop and talk to us, but there was no reason for him to defend himself against us because this was a citizen's arrest. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the bottom line. As I said in opening, I'm going to say it to you again. This was an attack on Amal Arbery. They committed the crimes. They committed the four felonies. They attacked him. They shot and killed him. They can't claim self-defense under the law because they were the initial unjustified aggressors, and they started this. And they were committing the felonies against Ahmaud Arbery. They have to somehow justify their actions by claiming citizen's arrest. I'm going to remind you once again, evidence from the witness stand, they never, ever said on February 23rd, 2020, that they were doing a citizen's arrest or trying to arrest him. It was all, we wanted to stop. We wanted to question him about what he was doing because he must have committed a crime that day and we were going to hold him so the police could go back and figure out what crime it was that he must have committed as he was running down the street. Julian, she nailed it. She did. She did a really good job of laying it out. She called them on them using the race card every chance they could get. I mean, I'm still outraged when one of them got up and said, how many pastors do they have? Well, the answer is as many as you want to have. I mean, what they underestimate is the connection in the black community. But even more than that, she was extraordinarily thorough. She, she put it out there. She used their words against them. And they seemed, the, their defense attorney was silly. How did she know his toenails were dirty? Was she up on them? Did she go to the autopsy? Come on. What these people are doing is pandering to every racist stereotype that exists. And they're doing it because this is a climate in which we live. I mean, it's hard to watch the news. It's hard to basically inculcate the space we're in 
I was talking to a friend yesterday, and she she was crying about this, crying because she has young male sons, um, as I have young male nephews and godchildren, godsons, who it's like this could happen to anybody. And years years ago, um, Richard Wright talked about the way the black community is connected, so that a lynching, he said, in one city had reverberations everywhere. And that's what we're seeing again. The black community is outraged, is stunned, is hurt. But we have been reminded yet again that white supremacy is the law of the land. I'm a Congo. I, I got to say, Roland, you know, you, you send the, the, the prep articles, you know, for us, you know, and everything what we're going to talk about. I see this stuff trending on Twitter. And, you know, but this is actually the first time I actually heard the part about the toenails. I, I hearing it, and it it, it, it it hit me dead in my tracks, man. You got the parents sitting there watching this trial, watching their son be dehumanized every day, and then you go that low. So we understand the whole thing about have you no shame. We know that have no shame. But the fact of the matter is, when all else fails, lean on white supremacy, lean on white hatred towards black people, lean on white dehumanization. This is really tragic. And to be quite honest, in any other situation, when you remove whiteness from it, we would all say, this is a slam dunk case. How could somebody do this? We have to be rem remember that this case, what happened to Arbery, is the reason why they got rid of the citizens' arrest laws in Georgia, which are also rooted in slavery, which are also rooted in the times where we didn't have a police force, and these guys were deputized to go and get people who were free. And so this is rooted in slavery, and so we're coming up to a lynching in 2021, and they're using the same tactics, and if they get over with this one, this is 10 times worse than the Rittenhouse case. And we all know the reasons why, because this is going to give people a reason to believe that they can go out and do this type of act, do this type of ignorance, and get away with it. But just those comments, it's a travesty, and it's just completely disrespectful to that family and to our community, just going off of Richard Wright's quote that Dr. Malvo just shared. We all felt that. Uh, indeed, indeed. Folks, got to go to break. We come back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Facebook, what's up with your algorithm and screwing over black people. The civil rights organizations told y'all this was gonna happen, told you to fix it. But they said, what the hell? We gotta keep making that money from these conservative white folks. We're talking to Rashad Robinson, lead of Color Change, next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, right here on the Black Star Network.
Betty is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now, she's free to become Bear Hug Betty. Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. Ooh, where you going? I'm about to give you something yeah. that's going to put you in that. You're going to remember this. Yeah, we was on tour. So Brian wanted to be the headliner. Now, you're headliner with New Edition. So we're like, OK. You want to be a headliner? Not a problem. Since so, you think you big, you that big a band? OK. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget one night, we, uh, two of the guys, their driver got lost. I think it was Westbury we were playing. And I'll never forget, um, we asked, they asked him if he didn't mind going on first, and uh, we, we would close out. And he, they came back and said, he said, no. I'll give him his prop. He took it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough out there. By the time he would come out, you could hear echoes. <laughs> wow. This weekend for the Bayou Classic, broadcasted live in partnership with Coca-Cola, Friday and Saturday. You do not want to miss it. Uh, so Black Star Network will be on the scene. That's right, covering the coaches' luncheon on Friday. We'll be broadcasting Friday night. Then, of course, uh, we'll be broadcasting from the Fan Zone. Uh, there's a parade Saturday morning, broadcasting that. Plus, from the Fan Zone, in addition... We'll be broadcasting the halftime. That's right, y'all. Don't worry about the rest of these folk. Don't worry about it. NBC doesn't show it. We'll be showing you the halftime show right here on the Black Star Network. Try it first. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hashtag, we tried to tell you. That's what civil rights groups are saying to Facebook. Well, researchers conducted a study gathering the worst of the worst hate speech content on the platform and Facebook's top leaders, eh, whatever. 
Slurs and comments against minority groups, including black folks, were most prevalent. However, Facebook decided to keep a, quote, politically neutral stance and maintain its current system. The system aggressively removes posts about whites and Americans more than any other group. Why do they also keep the information from the black woman who was auditing in the civil rights audit? Joining us now is the president and CEO of Color of Change, Rashad Robinson, one of these civil rights leaders who had been meeting consistently with Facebook on this issue and so many others. Uh, this Washington Post story should be no shock at all to you, Rashad, because y'all kept saying it. And Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sandberg, and the others kept giving y'all the runaround and, frankly, were lying to y'all faces. So for years, I mean, Roland, you and I have talked, I feel like it's deja vu. We have talked about this multiple times over the last couple of years. And you've consistently covered this and brought this up when other folks didn't. But for years, we have been exposing this to the point where Facebook even hired a firm to launch attacks on us. And we only found out about that when the New York Times exposed it. So we have been through this time and time again. So a couple of weeks ago, when the Washington Post called me to read me into to get me to comment on the story. And they walked me through sort of what the research had found and what Joe Kaplan, who's the head of policy, and folks might not know who Joe Kaplan is, what he sort of does at Facebook, but Joe Kaplan is Brett Kavanaugh, what Justice Brett Kavanaugh's best friend, he helped quarterback the, uh, the Brett Kavanaugh while... Uh, Rashad, hold tight one second, because you, we're getting, like, like every other word you're breaking up. I don't know what, uh, if, it, if you're on Wi-Fi or whatever. Uh, and so, um, so folks, if y'all could just quickly uh, uh, fix that so we can, so because we, we want to hear what Rashad has to say. We don't want it to be choppy. So y'all let me know when y'all cleared the signal up, please. Uh, and so, Mitchell, let me do this here. Uh, I'm going to pull in my panel real quick. But again, let me know when y'all have fixed Rashad's audio. And so let me know, please. Uh, this, this story is important and what the work of these civil rights organizations is critically important, Makongo, because they said it. They, they, they were very clear and Facebook kept giving them the runaround. And then finally they said, fine, we'll do a civil rights audit. But this report, which we only know because of the whistleblower, this report shows they hid the information from the black woman doing the audit. Yep. Yeah. They, they, they've been a fraud from the beginning on this issue. And you see Sheryl Sandberg talking all this stuff about, you know, lean in and all this other type of stuff and empowerment. And they've been using their platform to empower racists and extremists and help Trump build his, his following. And I remember those meetings when the civil rights organizations and, and Rashad Robinson and others went to them and had those conversations. I remember seeing all of that. And I remember them talking about all the police and they lied to their face. And so I believe that it's really time that all of us continue, all of us who are not doing it, because you're doing it and the rest of us are doing it, all of you know who have Facebook platforms, we need to continue to use it to call out the company. They're only going to get better when we make them better. And we have to remember, they're doing this about black people, but they're letting hate speech go from, uh, from these supremacists and extremists towards all other groups. So where are their Latino brothers and sisters who need to step up? Where's people from the Asian community? All of this hate that's been on the rise has been fueled in part by the Facebook algorithms because they know that it drives profit. They've been exposed... 10 times over, and now we have to demand that they actually make the changes that we've been, that, that so many organizations have been demanding they make for a very long time. They can't just change their name to Meta and think it's all going to be taken care of. <laughs> um, uh, absolutely, Amisha. I mean, this is, 
something again. The civil rights groups, uh, they were meeting with them, fighting with them, and all they kept getting was a runaround. Uh, and so, even, even, and so what you had is you had to the person that uh, Rashad was talking about, uh, this executive, that last name Kaplan, basically he was their conduit to the conservatives. Absolutely. And Roland, kudos to you because you brought this up on this show. I've been on the show before where you talked about this. What we knew and what civil rights organizations and civil rights leaders have known for a very long time is that Facebook has been used to quell them. Facebook has been used to shut down a lot of their organizing potential, meanwhile allowing for those who organized the January 6th insurrection, those who have organized um, Boogaloo Brothers and others who have taken on white supremacist mantras throughout multiple cities across America, as well as the projection of authoritarian-esque and authoritarian regime-like language across the platform has occurred time and time again, in large part because it's extremely profitable. What they recognize, what Facebook recognizes, is that they can make money off of white supremacy. They can make money off of anti-blackness. They can make money off of pushing anti-Muslim hate rhetoric. They can make money off of it. And I like the point that was previously made. It's not just black people. They are equal opportunity haters out here on Facebook. And they're making a ton of money off of these platforms that allow for the voice of those um, who are intent on making America as white as possible, those individuals are able to continue to carry on that mantra unabated across Facebook. And they are absolutely fine hiding, quelling the voices of, and basically stumping out the organizing potential of civil rights groups and groups that are just trying to fight for equity. What we see in them talking about algorithm change and them talking about, you know, trying to limit some of the capacity of these groups the only groups they did it for were Black Lives Matter groups, were other civil rights organizations, were civil rights leaders who were calling out what's happening in the streets across America. Those are the only individuals who ever got punished or got kicked off the platform or got their voices limited in any way. And I think that this report is illuminating to many, but not to Black America, because we knew what Facebook was doing already. Uh, let's go to Rashad Robinson. We had him on Skype. Now we got him on FaceTime. Uh, and so uh, once he uh, once he flips his camera, okay. then there we go. There we go. We'll do that. Uh, so Rashad, this is about money. It is about Facebook. You know, again, minting money from right wing, from right wingers. That's what this is all about. It's also it's about that, but it's also about a business model, right? So they are trying to keep their business model in place. So at every single turn, they're trying to avoid regulation. And obviously that always goes back to um, it always goes back to profit, but it's but it's a, a bit trickier because what they're trying to do here is keep this business model that allows them to have a, a set of immunity that no other companies have. So tech platforms have immunity under something called Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, meaning that which was a bill that was written before these platforms were even the size that they are now. And what it allows these platforms to do is to have all this harm that happens on their platform, right? Running ads that can discriminate pe from people, keeping people out of uh, job opportunities or housing opportunities. And then they can go in the courts and say that they are immune to civil rights law. And they are trying to keep that immunity in place while there is a deep movement to actually remove certain aspects of that immunity. Immunity where 
if you're if a Facebook recommends that you follow certain people or recommends that you join certain groups, they shouldn't be immune to that because that's part of their product design, not part of free speech. They shouldn't be immune for paid advertisement that happens on their platform because that's about their business model. And so they are trying to avoid regulation. And as a result of trying to avoid regulation, they're willing to lie at every turn. And so Joel Kaplan, who is the director of policy and Brett Kavanaugh's best friend, did a lot of the quarterbacking for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation and was one of the guys in the suits during the Bush-Gore recount that was banging on the doors trying to prevent all of our votes from actually being counted, is now the policy director. Him and Sheryl Sandberg went to college together and I guess famously used to date. So Sheryl multiple times has told me that Brett Kavanaugh, I mean, that, that uh, Joe Kaplan's not a racist and Joe Kaplan doesn't have a race problem, even though story after story shows that when issues come down the pike about actually addressing racial justice issues, Joe Kaplan stands in the way. But at the end of the day, all of this goes back to Mark Zuckerberg. He has 60% of the shares. He is chairperson and CEO. Back in the summer of 2020, I was on a Zoom call with uh, Vanita Gupta, who was at the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights, and Sherilyn Eiffel from the um, NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And I challenged Mark directly about Joe Kaplan. And Mark actually shot back and said that he makes the decisions, and he's the one that keeps Joe Kaplan in this place. And so for all of us, we have to recognize that until Congress steps in and removes immunity for these types of actions and actually changes the business model so that this company can no longer harm us, it's going to continue to do it. And I think the big thing, Roland, that we all have to remember is this country has done this before with big companies. The reason why our seatbelts work in our cars is not because the auto industry is benevolent. It's because there's accountability, there's regulation, there's infrastructure that oversees it. The reason why we can go into a supermarket and pick out meat and that, for the most part, it's safe is because there's infrastructure there and accountability and consequences when it's not. The tech companies should not have this type of immunity. Only folks that have the type of immunity that um, tech companies get right now are police, um, police officers, and we know how that works for black folks. So what are the civil rights groups going to do? Uh, look, the story's out. Uh, we now know that they lied to the auditor, hit information from her. What are y'all going to do? Well, the, the clearest thing is, is that we have to hold Congress accountable for regulation. You know, I really stopped meeting with Facebook sort of after these last couple of sets of lies. I mean, we are still in engagement around, at the very least, their updates on the audit. But on a day-to-day -day basis, our focus has to be on Congress. Self-regulated companies are unregulated companies. And we actually can't get to a place to have any conversation with Facebook if at every turn they can lie to us without consequence. And so there's going to be a set of hearings coming down in Congress. There's one um, with the, um, you know, the Committee for Energy and Commerce on December 1st. It looks like there'll be another one coming down the pike on December 7th around cybersecurity, homeland security, and disinformation. Each of these hearings are looking at different pieces of legislation, some um, from members of the CBC, like uh, Congresswoman Yvette Clark, who's been a real sort of leader on pushing that, a number of bills coming out of the Senate as well. We actually need the Biden-Harris administration to take real leadership here, and we actually need Congress to drive legislation. The fact of the matter is, is that what will happen in 2022 and 2024 will be an absolute disaster when it comes to disinformation and misinformation if the last two elections are any, any sort of um, guidance. And it's not just here in the United States. 
2024 will be in a democratic election where there are basically more democracies with more people voting than ever before in the history of the world. You will have India, the United States, um, um, the UK, EU, Mexico, Ukraine, a number of countries, will, who, many of whom who haven't had democracies for that long, all voting at the same time. That means these platforms right now, without regulation, get to decide um, what type of infrastructure they put on their platforms to deal with misinformation and disinformation. And we all know that in 2016, it was very clear that the Russians seem to know more about black people than the people at Facebook. And so we can't trust this company to put the money and infrastructure behind it, especially when they have so often put their hands on the scale for the right wing. Well, uh, it is uh, certainly something that's important. And look, the reality is here. We did a project this year with Facebook, our We Got Next series, uh, and we appreciate doing that. Uh, it was a financial arrangement, but the bottom line is here. We hold folks accountable, whether we partner with them or not. Uh, and so the content we produced was great, uh, but they have got to do right by black people. And that story also showed their, the usage of African-Americans on Facebook went down. Yep. It ought to keep going down. Rashad, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, Rashad. Thank you. Uh, Julian, you want to make a comment? Go ahead. Absolutely. I, do. I wonder what would happen if we just all decided we would boycott Facebook. I've been on there forever, but I'm seriously considering getting off because basically this is about the triumph of global capitalism. And we understand that global capitalism is really about extract, extracting surplus value for the glory of people who are capitalists. I've discussed it with Sheryl Stanberg. She uh, basically puts herself out there as a feminist. She's not a feminist. She's a global predatory capitalist who exploits people for her own good. So again, I think I would ask all of us to just think about whether or not we need to get off Facebook. Uh, well, that is a question that uh, would, you know, see what, what the civil rights organizations, what is going to happen next. Uh, we'll hear what the others have to say uh, as well. All right, folks, hold tight one second. We come back. We'll talk with Celeste O'Brien. She has an upcoming documentary on black and missing, an issue that we know uh, that you care about. We'll discuss that next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. Once upon a time, there lived a princess with really long hair who was waiting for a prince to come save her. But really... 
Who has time for that? Let's go. Feeling myself. She ordered herself a ladder with Prime one day delivery, and she was out of there. Now, her hairdressing empire is killing it. And the prince, well, who cares? Prime changes everything. Hi, I'm Eric Nolan. I'm Shantae Moore. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Well, folks, it's sad that we have to do this every day is a segment that we uh, started that in. That is our black and missing segment because these stories don't get lots of attention. Deja Cummings was last seen on October 9th, 2021 in New Iberia, Louisiana. The 20 year old stands five feet inches tall and weighs 115 pounds. Deja has brown hair and brown eyes. She has three tattoos, one on her left wrist has the name Dwayne and the other and the name Alfred is on her right. She also has the name Nyla on her chest. Anyone with knowledge of Deja's whereabouts should contact the New Iberia, Louisiana Police Department at 337-369-2306. That's 337-369-2306. Now, tomorrow, HBO will release a new four-part documentary called Black and Missing, showcasing the inspirational stories of black people searching for their missing loved ones. Joining me now is the creator of the documentary, Soledad O'Brien. Soledad, always glad to have you. How you doing? Hi, Roland. Always nice to see you as well. Thanks for talking about the documentary. So how did this originate? A couple of years ago, three years ago now, actually, um, one of our development producers was really interested in two women, women who I think you know, uh, Derricka Wilson and Natalie Wilson, yep. their sister. You know, um, a Black Girls Rock actually featured them, gave them an award one year for the work that they're doing with their Black and Missing Foundation. And we were convinced that they would be a great doc if we could embed with them and really follow what they do, uh, which meant a little bit of convincing, because as you well know, um, you know, doing what we call a follow doc means that you have to commit to having someone follow you around with a good uh, you know, camera all day for many days. Uh, so after, uh, you know, after shooting for about a year and a half and kind of getting it all together, um, we pitched a multi-part doc series to HBO and it has its debut tomorrow and then uh, second partners on Wednesday. Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, I've had them on the show, my TV One show, and this one uh, many, many times, uh, and certainly appreciate the work that they are doing. And, and the reality is that uh, that in this country, if you're a white woman who comes, comes up missing, all of a sudden it's going to be ma massive coverage because what do we have? We got white male executives who are running these newsrooms, who are the executives, and that's what they consider to be, you know, ratings gold, a missing white woman. Black folks come up missing. It literally takes protest and pressure for them to cover it. And hell, that's three, four weeks later, and you've missed those critical 48, 72 hours. Yeah, I didn't realize before we started doing the doc um, that it was Gwen Eiffel, who you know, uh, who passed away now quite a while ago, uh, but was a, a journalist and a colleague who coined the missing white woman syndrome. And that syndrome is almost the, the flurry of activity that happens both within a newsroom and outside of a newsroom when an attractive white woman is missing. And listen, I think when someone is missing, uh, we should throw resources at making sure that they're getting coverage. But I believe it should be for everyone and not 
correlated to uh, people that news executives or news producers identify with or find attractive only or think that only their stories matter. Uh, and, of course, that was um, a panel that took place, uh, I believe, at an NABJ convention. Here's that actual clip. Woman, we're going to cover it. I call it the missing white woman syndrome. <laughs> if there's a missing white woman, we're going to cover that every day. <laughs> it's true. So I think we need to keep our full... I call it the missing white woman syndrome. Of course, uh, all the black journalists, we understood that because, frankly, we worked in these newsrooms, and, and, and we've seen how... The, the marshalling of resources and it's wall to wall and you're sitting there going, hmm, really? I ain't, yeah. like, like, I've never seen it for a black person. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, and you really don't even see a lot for uh, people of color generally, right? And and certainly not the, the chaotic, the degree to which it, it you say wall to wall, it literally is uh, sometimes uh, all-day coverage of somebody who's missing. We've all seen that. And so, yeah, I think um, it is really uh, unfortunate that what ends up happening, because TV news is a zero-sum game, you leave people out of that. And I'm always surprised, maybe I'm not surprised, that uh, news organizations don't sort of ask themselves, why do we do that? I mean, in the middle of our documentary, in the, the second part, uh, Neil Shapiro, who at the time, we run a clip of at the time he's asked about it as a news division president for NBC News, and he says race is not a factor in how these stories are covered. Bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, but that's so bullshit. I mean, it just, it is so simple to go, hmm, here is the wall of missing white women that, again, can feel numerous walls, and I don't see even a picture frame of, of a missing black woman. I mean, it just, it, it simply is not there. I mean, it's, so it's like, Oh, no, no. So what, what is it? How are all these, all these white women, but no black women, but no, it's not race. Yeah, and, and, you know, to me, somebody, someone who's a news division president, that's what he was at the time of that interview, uh, saying that it makes you realize, well, then you have a tremendous uh, blind spot because obviously the data doesn't agree with you. And, and, and almost everybody would say, no, race does play a role. You might want to debate what kind of a role, but race does play a role. And so then what other things are you missing? I mean, you're the president of the news division. Right. And what else are you missing if this thing is something you don't see? Uh, we really wanted to tell the story of and very compelling stories of missing people, missing women whose stories, you know, either somebody had to fight and protest to get coverage or to really think about, you know, why were these stories just ignored in the first place? The women from Black and Missing, and since I know you've talked to them, then you know this, would say, listen, number one, law enforcement often is just less interested, or they're not very, um, you know, they'll call someone a runaway, or they frame them in a certain way that doesn't necessarily inspire a community to care about them. Oh, look, 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 we, we covered the young Black kid who came up missing uh, in Louisiana, and the cops said, oh, he might have went to, he, he might have just, you know, visited a friend's house, went to a football game. And then, of course, we later find out uh, he was found disfigured, murdered. And then we hear that this white, this white woman and her son picked him up from the house. Mom never knew uh, and didn't know his whereabouts. And again, all of that crucial time where the cops just dismissed it, or what they do is they'll dismiss somebody African-American by saying, you know what, they probably just ran away. So call us back in 48 hours.
Yeah, exactly. And I think when you frame something as a runaway, the, the women from Black and Missing would say that word should be struck. Like, it shouldn't matter because that's what it does. It slows down the investigation. But you need, you know, the media to care and the media has to examine its own bias uh, you need law enforcement to care, and then you and not think of these grieving families as a pain in the ass, basically, who you're just trying to, you know, get out of your office. And then you need the community to care as well. Uh, you know, so I, I think it is a uh, it is important. And I, 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 you know, the thing I found really amazing, Roland, when Gabby Petito's dad, uh, I don't, I can't, I'll, 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 I won't state it exactly right, but basically he said, he he said that the the, the media should also help you know, tell the stories of other young women as well. This was at the moment when his own daughter was missing. This was before they mm. found her body, right? Like, think about it. It's his lowest possible moment. And he, and he's like, we should be looking for everyone. This is a horrible thing to have your child missing. It's not only white girls who are missing. It's lots of other people and, uh, and people of color, women of color over index in the missing. So we should be looking for everybody. I was so stunned, to be honest, when he said that I just can't imagine having that presence of mind and compassion for other people's stories when you have something horrible unfolding in your own family. Uh, well, one of the things that uh, when you talk about how these uh, how you have these uh, media figures who go from place to place. Uh, yeah, I go to my computer. Neil Shapiro, I remember talking to him. Uh, he's now at WNET uh, in New York and is a major force in public broadcasting. So again, the problem that we have is that they go from place to place. And so they hop from NBC to PBS to ABC to CBS to all these different networks. And it is consistent. It is largely white men. And then even the places where you have uh, white w women involved. But here's the other thing, Soledad, that we also know when you have black journalists who have, frankly, uh, been raised and taught in white mainstream newsrooms, they fall into the exact same trap. The missing, the woman who was just missing, uh, uh, you know, the story that I forgot even her name, but it just blew up. And they had crews in five states. Uh, and it was all of this sort of stuff. And it was just constant, day after day after day. Uh, and that was just unbelievable. And again, it was, oh, uh, you know, her fiance or they had just gotten married. I, I can't remember even, even just the details because it was, it was just so much. And all this attention on her case. And what was crazy, when they were looking for her, I believe one of the stories, they found like three or four other bodies that had been missing. It was eight other people. Yeah, eight. someone's... Yeah, no, it's, it's utterly, brutally unfair. And I... I, I, I don't understand why journalists, when you miss the ball that frequently, don't say, why? You know, why is this? Why do, uh, do we just not find these women attractive? Is it like, we, or do we just not care about this community? Do we just not have any reporters who can fill us in? Like, what is our blind spot? Because I just don't understand how they, how they don't want to examine their own blind spot, to be honest. Yep. Uh, so, uh, documentary, uh, now, is it airing at successive nights, or, or so, so how is it airing? Tuesday and Wednesday on HBO and then HBO Max, so tomorrow and Wednesday. All right. So, Leila O'Brien, always good to see you. Keep up the great work. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, Got to go to break. We come back more. Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. I'm about to give you something yeah. that's going to put you in that. You're going to remember this. Yeah, we was on tour. So Brian wanted to be the headliner. Now, you're headliner with New Edition. So we're like, OK, you want to be a headliner? Not a problem. 
Listen, since you so, think you big, you that big and bad, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget one night we, uh, two of the guys, the driver got lost. I think it was Westbury we were playing. And I'll never forget, um, we asked, they asked him if he didn't mind going on first and uh, we, we would close out. And he, they came back and said, he said, no. I'll give him his prop. He took it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough out there. By the time he would come out, you could hear echoes. <laughs> wow. And, Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. A man who had only been out of jail for two days is in custody for plowing through a Wisconsin Christmas parade in an SUV, killing at least five people and injuring more than 40 others. This is the video, folks. Uh, we're just going to warn you in advance. Uh, it's hard to watch. This is the video that bystanders actually recorded. Brooks is facing five charges of intentional homicide uh, for careening through barricades and running over dozens of people watching and participating in the Wakusha uh, parade. Now, several children are among the injured. Authorities expect the death toll to go up as well as additional charges for Brooks. Uh, they say that this was not a terroristic attack. That's what the police chief uh, actually said. Uh, let's go to our panel here. Uh, this is obviously uh, shocking uh, and stunning. Uh, to actually uh, to actually watch and witness and again no idea what happened here uh, you, all kind of different reports all oh, was fleeing another crime all kind of different stuff they have no idea and so waiting to get more information but but you know but these are some of uh, the, the, 
this one of the things that I keep saying is that uh, that, that we have to confront. We're dealing with evil in this country. When you look at mass shootings, when you look at uh, things along these lines, when you look at what happened on January 6th, we're talking about evil uh, in this country. Uh, and, you know, and here is a parade. Here is a, uh, you think about what happened in Charlottesville, uh, same thing as well. And again, we'll, we'll find out later what the motive is, but this is beyond tragic. Roland, watching that video is heart-wrenching. But more than that, we have to ask, we don't know what the reason is, but not only is there evil, but there's some mental health, health problems that are lurking around our country. There are too many people who are too GD crazy. Um, and they are acting their crazy out on other people, taking their cars or their guns and just shooting at people. And they're, we're basically, as, as a country, powerless to do anything about it. And so, you know, as I watched it, I mean, I just cringe. You have a bunch of happy people celebrating Thanksgiving, the grannies especially, um, I guess because I'm almost a granny or something, but the grannies who were out there doing their little stepping, it was cute. And then you have this lunatic come barging at them with this gun, uh, with this uh, van. We have to really spend more time with mental health issues because it's not only evil, but evil compounded with crazy. We don't know what happened to that brother in jail. And I don't want to speculate, and that's no excuse. But we have to acknowledge how weak our mental health infrastructure is. Amisha. No, I agree with everything that um, Dr. Malvo just said. I think that what, and I had not, I had purposely not watched the video, so this was my first time um, actually seeing it full throttle. I, to think that anyone could drive full speed through a parade, a, par a, a holiday parade, families, children, small children, elderly people, Uh, I think we lost Amisha there. We'll try to get her back on Congo. Go ahead. I, 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 I had a turn away, man. I, 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 I came in like two or three times, the different parts of the video. I, I mean, you know, coming out of what we're, what we're dealing with in terms of the pandemic, everyone being sheltered and all of these things, and, you know, Dr. Marvosa, people actually getting out, trying to live their best life. You know, you hear somebody giving a shout-out to somebody else in the parade, and then you see that happen. I, I'm hearing so far that the victims are between the ages of, like, 50 and 80. So we're talking about people who are already, like, high COVID risk, probably had a, you know, shelter and do all these things for the last few years, and now out living and being able to do these things. And then to be savagely killed like that and 40 other people injured, including children. I, I, you, you know, Dr. Malvo is right. And I think that as we're talking about some of these other issues that we might be hearing about his record. I'm kind of even wondering why he was out here, out on the streets in the first place. These things will be found out. But there is something in this country that has made us just more comfortable with just taking people's lives. And people throw in all of these things from video games to movies. It's everything. And it all has just made it easy for people to feel like, whether it's road rage, whether it's people getting killed over a mask mandate, which we've, which we've also seen, we have to do something to work on bringing back the common humanity in this life. Uh, in this life, and as Dr. King said, you can't legislate morality, but you can regulate behavior. When people are doing things like that, there's there's no sympathy. We don't care who they are. These are acts of terror, regardless of what his intentions are. The cat community was terrorized, and my heart just goes out to them. Um, uh, indeed, folks. Uh, do we have Misha back?
All right, still working to get her back. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll talk about um, weight loss surgery, Thanksgiving, eating, diabetes, fitness. Pastor William Murphy said, you know what? I had to do what I had to do for my health. Very open and honest about his decision uh, to have the surgery. We'll talk about that next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, right here on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to download the app, all platforms, uh, Apple, Android, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Samsung, uh, you name it, uh, Xbox, uh, uh, Amazon Fire Stick as well. So all the platforms, our goal is to have 50,000 downloads by December 31st. And so we've already passed 20,000 barrier, moving close to 25,000, 30,000. So we want to keep that going. So please download the app. Also, support us in what we do. Roland Martin Unfiltered by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. With every dollar gifts you give to support this show, it goes to the work that we do. Like I said, we're going to be uh, in uh, New Orleans on Friday and Saturday and Sunday for the Bayou Classic. So you support us via cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is rmartinunfiltered. Venmo is rmunfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. I'll be back in a moment. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of Once upon a time, there lived a princess with really long hair who was waiting for a prince to come save her. But really... Who has time for that? Let's go. She ordered herself a ladder with Prime one day delivery, and she was out of there. Now, her hairdressing empire is killing it. And the prince, well, who cares? Prime changed everything.
Tune in to the Black Star Network this weekend. We'll be on the ground live in New Orleans for the 2021 Bayou Classic. There's a coach's luncheon taking place on Friday. We'll be live streaming that also. We'll be broadcasting on Friday uh, night. Then, of course, on Saturday, they have the uh, annual parade. Our cameras will be there. The only one live streaming the parade in its entirety. And then we'll do a broadcast from the fan zone as well. And then, of course, we'll be live streaming the halftime show. That's right, the halftime show right here uh, on the Black Star Network. That's one of the reasons why you got to download the app. Yo, no other black-owned media outlet. Hell, no other media outlet is going to be doing it. And so uh, we're in partnership with Coca-Cola uh, covering the Bayou Classic. So we look forward to that, uh, bringing you uh, the best uh, it off, has to offer for this weekend for Grambling, Grambling and Southern. And so you see me rocking the, uh, the Grambling track suit. Also, uh, I'll show you in a minute. I have the, uh, the drum major, honorary drum major jacket the Grambling president gave me. Southern, y'all ain't sent me no gear. Y'all know I done spoken to y'all three, four times. I, try, I can't wear your stuff if you don't send it to me. So Grambling, they hooked me up. So I look forward to seeing y'all uh, this weekend. We're in New Orleans for the Bayou Classic. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens West. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks. Uh, glad to have you back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Fit Live Win. We have our segment, which airs, of course, uh, every Monday on the show. Uh, and uh, my next guest. Um, well-known, you know his music, you know his preaching, but he also uh, went public and talked about uh, what he decided to do when it came to his weight, uh, when it came to uh, dealing with diabetes. Uh, and so Pastor William Murphy joins us right now. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Are, are you wearing one of them bur damn Burberries you were talking about? <laughs> I mean, you and Pastor Jamal Bryant, y'all were going back and forth about some damn Burberry shirt. I'm like... <laughs> Oh my good rolling that you know that sound like a little bit of hating going on. There. No, not, I'm not hating, I'm stating. <laughs> I'm not wearing the Burberry tonight. I mean, y'all were going back and forth. He took the Burberry, supposed to lead the Burberry. You finally can fit the Burberry. Man, listen, so you know, we we he comes to my house, he goes through my clothes, and instead of taking the fat clothes, he takes my skinny clothes. So that was that was the argument. And that was the segue rolling, which, by the way, man, thank you for uh, affording me this opportunity to talk uh, to our community, man, about this, uh, this epidemic of diabetes. But that was the segue into me sharing with, um, you know, the people that we influence, the people that follow us. That was how we segued into me talking about uh, having a gastric sleeve, which... Uh, was a weight loss procedure that helped me uh, roll. And I was uh, right around 280 pounds, and now I'm down to 210. So I've lost 70 pounds, man. And um, I feel just incredible. Uh, my blood sugar is normal. Uh, my 
blood pressure is normal. Um, I don't feel as heavy or as um, lethargic as I was feeling uh, because I was able to um, make this grown-up decision, man, to do something to help me jumpstart uh, my journey back to uh, taking control of my health, man. So, and, and you said, look, you said, I tried. I, so you said you tried other ways. You tried to lose weight. Uh, you say, you know what? Look, I, look, I had no choice but to do this as opposed to trying to do it the natural way. Yeah, so, you know, I was walking, uh, you know, everything people tell you to do, uh, to try to lose weight. And I had to be honest with myself, Roland, that I just, my lifestyle, the pace of my life, uh, I just wasn't disciplined enough to drop the kind of weight as quickly as I needed to drop it. And so this afforded me an opportunity. Uh, Dr. Ronald Moore, who's a friend of our family now out of Fort Lauderdale, uh, afforded me an opportunity, man, to uh, jumpstart um, my health journey. And of course, it's it's afforded me an opportunity to think differently about food, um, portion control, sugar intake. Um, it's given me an opportunity to to reset my life as relates to how I even think about food and how I use food. And as a result, uh, now I'm I'm really interested, and we're working on. Uh, I don't know if you call it a docu-series or a reality show, but we're working on something now that addresses the epidemic of diabetes in the African-American community. And uh, so I, I realized that um, my brothers, one of my brothers actually passed away uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, complications from diabetes. My father has struggled with diabetes for as long as I can remember. And I never had an issue with diabetes until my mid-40s. And so now I'm finding myself uh, overweight, uh, not really managing my diet the way that I need to, and now having to defend myself against diabetes. And so uh, this, was, this was an alternative. And of course, um, again, I had an opportunity to do it. I had some enough resource to do it and enough relationship to do it, and I'm feeling so much better, so. Now, now, there are other folks who have actually had similar surgery, and they want to keep it quiet. Oh, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I know a well-known preacher um, uh, out of Chicago had folks sitting here praying for him uh, oh, and, and, and was making this, <laughs> and, and people like, did this cancer return? And and I mean I remember I, I mean I, I remember I was there and it was this huge deal. He had a damn surgery. And it was he like and it was like, look, bruh, I mean, don't don't, don't yeah. sit here and have folk out here, you know, thinking you had cancer and they praying for your health to return. Cause, cause, he, cause he didn't want to tell people that he had the right. weight loss surgery. Right. And you know, we, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. You know, we find that in our community and I I felt like, Roland, I had an opportunity to really address something. You know, I'm finding out now that um, the risk of diabetes is between 70 to 80 percent higher in blacks in black communities than it is in, in white communities, that we experience uh, diabetes and complications more than white folks. So I'm realizing now, wait a minute. 
I have a responsibility to be honest. I mean, you know, that's that's you know, that's what the gospel is all about. That's what we do. You know, it, it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest. And, and I felt like I had a responsibility to be honest and say to our community, listen, this was not the lazy way out. Um, this was not the cowardice way out. This it took a lot of work. A lot of research, um, uh, a lot of courage to do this. And of course, you know, after having the procedure, now the, the hard work really begins because, you know, you, I know a lot of folks who have had the procedure and, you know, you find them three, four, five years later and they look like they look before they had the procedure. So this is not something that you have and you just, you good for the rest of your life. You've got to maintain the discipline in order to, to, to stay where you are. So, you know, I'm 210 now, brother, but I could be 310 if I don't do the work. And so I felt, you know, responsible to be honest with our community and say to them, listen, I needed something to help me jumpstart the journey. And so that's what we did. And, um, you know, I'm learning again how to, uh, you know, they're laughing at me now because I'm I'm eating uh, sea bass and salmon and, <laughs> you know, they, they judge me, Roland. And, you know, before I was eating hot dogs and hamburgers right. and pizza and, and uh, man, what I would give for a deep dish pizza right now. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I had, you know, look, uh, look, I, I've had some folks try to act a fool when, uh, when I posted videos of me cooking salmon, and I'm like, first of all, you ain't eating it, so I don't, give it, I don't really care what you think. Uh, Man, and, 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 and same thing, you know, in terms of, look, a lot of us gain weight. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm down 20 plus uh, since COVID. Wow. Uh, and, and the thing is, and the reality is, again, folks' bodies are different. So I have diabetes right. on both sides of my family. I monitor, right. that, I monitor that closely. Uh, wow. And uh, and same thing. My blood sugar is normal. Uh, my blood pressure, uh, you know, is uh, is one eighteen over sixty five. Uh, so, but the thing is, I'm constantly getting it checked. And that's the other thing, because wow. a lot a lot of folk walk around and they don't know. Uh, questions uh, on Macongo. Uh, your question for Pastor William Murphy. Yes. First of all, I, I really want to commend you on on your honesty in everything that you're doing and. One of the questions that I would like to, no doubt, uh, one of the questions I would like to ask is, for people who are considering this surgery, what are some of the immediate <laughs> steps you need to take after the surgery? Is it, is it a, a, an immediate diet change, like it's immediate, you know, salmon as opposed to the pizza, is, 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 or is it more of a gradual thing? Because I think people are so caught up in the quickness of the surgery, they think it's right. like an instant switch. Right. Well, you know, thank you for your question, man. It's 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 it's, it's immediate. Like, um, you know, some people ask me, well, do you can you eat this or can you eat that? This procedure is such that you could try to eat whatever you want to eat, but your body will tell you no. Like I, I can eat something right now and my body won't hold it I'll It'll it'll come back up. And so it forces you to think differently about food. It, it forces you to eat different. It forces you to pace yourself. It forces you, um, you know, to cut back on carbs and starches. And like right now, I'm not eating a lot of bread right now. You know, I'm, I, I can eat some bread, but I can't eat a whole lot of bread. So now what I'm doing is I'm developing a habit 
where it's not necessarily a crash diet, but it's my life diet. It's, it's, it's how I'm learning uh, to use food now and not abuse food. So uh, the, the change was immediate. Yeah. Julian. Brother Bishop, first of all, congratulations. You look fantastic. Uh, so congratulations you. to you. Now I want Thank to ask, I have a couple of colleagues who've had the sleeve and most of them, uh, their health plan covered it, but the health plan forced them to go through a period of rigorous counseling, et cetera, yeah. beforehand. Did yes. you do that? How long were you in counseling? Yeah, well, uh, praise God. I, uh, we were able to do it without having to include the uh, services. Now, of course, I do know um, some other folks who had to go through counseling, and I would recommend the counseling uh, because, again, it's an entire mental shift that you have to make as relates to how you think about food and eating because the reality is Many of us are using food as an emotional crutch and, and not as a means of nourishment. And so you, you needed the entire um, uh, the counseling piece, the therapy piece, because it helped you to reset your thinking as relates to food. So I didn't have that experience where I had to go through the counseling but of course, with uh, the, the counsel of my primary physician, uh, Dr. Sharika Newman, and uh, some other folks in my circle who had some experience with the procedure, I sort of had a jump start and an advantage uh, as relates to the mindset after having the procedure. So, and I would recommend anybody who uh, is overweight and starting to have. Uh, those medical issues like diabetes, hypertension, some of those other issues, I would recommend that you go to your health care provider because there's a huge possibility that it is covered in your plan. All right, then. Pastor William Murphy, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I will tell folks, if y'all want to get jump-started uh, on, on working out, uh, y'all just put on a praise break. Uh, and, uh, and 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 that that that'll get you going, uh, man. Listen, listen, Roland. Let me let me thank you again for this opportunity, and let me tell let me tell the listeners on the fourth of December. Uh, you just mentioned uh, one of the records from my last record, Settle Here. But on the fourth of December, we're recording the new record, Roland. You're gonna love it. It's called Worship and Justice. And uh, one of, the, one of the, the title track, the first line says, you can't have worship if you don't have justice. And uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you with that. And it ends with no justice, no peace. So, Roland, well, thank first, you, man. Well, first of all, that, that's, that's a great day to do it. Your color scheme on that day, uh, it should be uh, black and old gold, considering uh, that it will be the 115th anniversary, December 4th. Uh, Man, of, of, of the only <laughs> of the only real fraternity uh, that exists, uh, and that is uh, Alpha Phi Alpha no Fraternity Incorporated. So you know, and I know your buddy, uh, Pastor Jamal Bryant, uh, belongs and to Bishop McKissick, who who is in Omega. Right. They, they have a whole lot to say about that. Both of them belong to youth groups. <laughs> oh. they, they're youth groups, <laughs> but they know. 
rolling. They, they know. I'm not in it. I'm they not. know they have to bow down, always bow down, and always they got to say, who's your daddy? And that's Alpha. Uh, so, rolling, so, ro on, rolling on the show that I'm on, really? I'm just yes, yes. So, so <laughs> let, let your dear friends know that, that you chose the correct date <laughs> on which to record uh, your new Man, album. Uh, I will be doing some R&R &R, uh, on that day uh, in Hawaii, uh, relaxing. Wow. Uh, but trust me, I, wow. will, I will let everybody know uh, that uh, Alpha will be reigning supreme on that day. And, and even when I'm out from the show, uh, there'll be a guest host uh, on that, uh, on, let's see, I think December 3rd is a Friday. Yeah, it's a yeah. Friday. It's all good. There will be a video that will be left with instructions <laughs> on that day. Pastor Murphy, uh, I appreciate it, my brother. Thanks a lot. Man, we love you and we appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're making a huge difference in our community. We don't know what we do without you, man. We love you and we're praying for you, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks Thank a lot. You. All right, folks, uh, let's go to a break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, owned by the Black and Old Gold. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. I'm about to give you something yeah. that's going to put you in that. You're going to remember this. Yeah, I was on tour. So Brian wanted to be the headliner. Now, you're headlining with New Edition. So we're like, OK. You want to be a headliner? Not a problem. Listen, since you so, think you big, you that big and bad? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget one night we, uh, two of the guys, their driver got lost. I think it was Westbury we were playing. And I'll never forget, um, we asked, they asked him if he didn't mind going on first and uh, we, we would close out. And he, they came back and said, he said, no. I'll give him his prop. He took it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough out there. By the time he would come out, you could hear echoes. <laughs> wow. Hi, I'm Vivian Green. You're hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. Folks, the Justice Department, they've released a new video showing the actions of those moral degenerates 
who tried to storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Yes, I call them white domestic terrorists. And you had some black folks and others thrown in there, but they were largely white folks uh, who wanted to overthrow uh, the Capitol to stop them from certifying the election for now President Joe Biden. They did so at the behest of that thug Donald Trump. Uh, watch this. If you want to understand, like, now, I've had all these fools in, on my Twitter timeline in the past 24 hours talking about, oh, it was just they were taking selfies on that day and they was just the only person, uh, you know, who got murdered was Ashley, uh, whatever, Babbitt. No, she was thug who tried to storm a barricaded building. So if you want to understand all, all these people and how they're not even claiming false flags, uh, check these uh, fools out. Watch this video. Close this door in the U.S. Capitol. But you see these fools on the other side trying to use chairs and trash cans to keep the door open. To keep the door open. Oh, you see them uh, attack a police officer with a trash can? You see that? This is actually what happened. This is, the video was just released. You see how many of them, uh, you know, uh, wearing uh, gear. Uh, and so uh, I had a bunch of these old thugs on my Twitter timeline talking about how, oh, they were peacefully escorted into the Capitol. They were allowed in, no problem, uh, by the police. Mm. Really? That's what we're seeing right here? That's what we're seeing right here. This shows you the thugs, the terrorists that Donald Trump unleashed on the United States Capitol on January 6th, and for every single person on the Congo who continues to try to make excuses for these uh, shameful thugs, shame on them. I, well, yeah, definitely my first time seeing that one. And, and it speaks more to the point of why Alex Jones was, was subpoenaed along with some others today, because they talked about the January 6th commission. They have the, they have the receipts, man. They talked about all of the stuff Alex Jones said, what he said while he was there, where to go and the like. This was all orchestrated. And not only were these guys in there committing acts of terrorism, they thought that Trump was going to be with them because he said, I'm going to be there with you, and then went back to his little bunker to watch all of this go down. One of the challenges that I have a problem with is that we are not seeing cameras in these federal trials of these guys because they look all big and bad when they're down there at the Capitol, but when they get in front of these federal judges, they are whimpering, apologizing, and the like. They all need to be put in jail. They all need to be... And on top of that, they were cowards. You're going to push a woman through that window and not go in there, you know, on, on some man stuff, and you're supposed to be all big and bad? These are like terroristic cowards, man, and they all need to be incarcerated for the maximum length of time. And speaking of time, I just feel these trials are taking way too long. I know we got the QAnon, quote-unquote, shaman, you know, who got 40-plus months and some other people. But this, it's been too long, Roland, and some of these guys are just walking free, chilling, you know, they'll be in federal court, you know, apologizing, and then they'll go on, like, Fox News and say, oh, yeah, this, this is a, a persecution. I'm glad you're showing these videos, man, because they all need to be put on blast, and all your Twitter feed family need, or not family, more like foes, um, need to see that as well. Uh, bottom line here, uh, Julian, these are thugs, and I, I can guarantee you, first of all, you, that would have never happened with black people because when Black Lives Matter 
uh, came to protest in, in the Capitol. They had massive security force. That's how they treated black folks. Uh, they allowed these crazy, demented, deplorable white folks to run amok. Crazy, demented, deplorable hoodlums. And again, the, the flip is always, if this were black people, what would have happened? There would not have been one dead person. There would have been armies of dead people, dead black people, because we are not allowed to act out our rage, but these folks act out. And then it was not even about their rage. It was about their sense of entitlement. They wanted the orange orangutan to be president. The orange orangutan lost the election. They could not stand the fact that they lost the election, and so they decided to overturn it. Like Omakongo, I had not seen that video before, but that video is outrageous. But the entire situation is outrageous, and even more outrageous is the fact that you still have people lying. You still have that orangutan running around saying the election was stolen. No, the only thing that was stolen was his brain, and some years ago. So I, I look at that, and I shudder because the level of inequality, and again, as I said earlier in the program, Roland, the persistence of white supremacy, that is why Open Congo is taking so darn long for these trials to happen, because there are sympathizers. They could not have done any of this stuff had the Capitol, some of the Capitol Police, some members of Congress, and other people enabled them. And those are also the people who need to go to jail. Um, absolutely. Uh, there is no doubt uh, their involvement uh, in that. Uh, let's talk about Black Lives Matter, where support has been declining, according to a new study by Civics. Out of those surveyed, 44% are in support, 43% do not support Black Lives Matter, 11% are indifferent. Of course, one month after George Floyd's death, Black Lives Matter saw its peak support at 50, its support go to 52%. That was in June 2020. Of course, the movement was founded in 2013 after the acquittal of George Zimmerman. Uh, of course, the white man who killed 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. You know, th th this is no surprise that this actually happened, uh, the support drops. Uh, we've always seen that. And the reality here, uh, the reality here, uh, Macongo and Julian, and for everybody out there, Amisha lost internet, her internet crashed. That's why she is not on the show when she's been trying to get, uh, get back on. And so that's why uh, she's not with us. The thing here, Omakongo and Julian, is that, and I keep saying this, in the history of America, black success or black advancement has always been followed by white backlash. Uh, it has never been sustained. Uh, we, we've seen this. Uh, you can go back to the civil rights movement, uh, black freedom movement, where Dr. King, his numbers plummeted in 1967 and 68 when he opposed the Vietnam War. Um, black people were pissed off that he chose to do so as well. Uh, we, 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 we can go back to every single moment. So, so this, is no, this is no shock at all. But I do think it's important, though, uh, that when we talk about the difference here is that also, in many ways, we've, we've, we've have, we have not seen uh, the, the massive protest that we saw consistently when President Obama was in the White House, um, the type of actions we saw after uh, George Floyd, and, and, and I dare say the Black Lives Matter movement, the actual organization, and others have to also reassert themselves because part of the whole deal, part of the appeal also, is the continued sustained action. You know, Roland... Yeah, I, I, the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
the, the thing about this is there has always been an oscillation about black support. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. Part of the issue, with all due respect to Black Lives Matter and its leadership, is that sometimes we get entirely too complacent. Sometimes, I mean, Black Lives Matter has this huge foundation with piles of money, and good for them. But can some of that money be used for organizing? Can some of that money be used to take people to the streets? I'm not surprised, again, at the oscillation. What I'm, what's, what I'm saddened about is that we have different skills than we had in 1968, different tools, the internet, all this. Why can we not sustain a movement? Uh, some people are indifferent, some are apathetic, and that's unacceptable. They're going to be apathetic until they roll up on the wrong police officer who hits them up the side of the head for nothing, and all of a sudden we're energized. We have to do this work, not case by case, killing by killing, but systematically. McCongo? I, I would add to the fact that really what really sparked a lot of what happened last year was the fact that so many people were at home. And so you kind of had to watch, like, the George Floyd videos and, and all of these other videos that were out there, even when the Ahmaud Arbery video became available, which people are still talking about now because we have the trial. And so I think when we talk about building on the gains of Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement produced people like Cori Bush and the like. And so we have to realize that when Obama came into office, we started to see the Tea Party, and, and now we've seen what's, what all of that has grown into now. These Republicans, these conservatives, they do not stop. Whether the cameras are on, whether the cameras are off, they keep coming until they get what they want, which is why we have the voter suppression right uh, fight that we have right now. And so I think that it's important that members of the Black Lives Matter movement who have done such great work and continue to do great work in schools and, you know, programs on the streets and in community centers retool, particularly as it relates to two particular fronts, the political front as it relates to candidates coming up for office in 2022, and also on the financial front as it relates to the economic boycotts and putting pressures on some of these organizations, like we've said here multiple times, who have chanted Black Lives Matter, but have turned around and gone and support people like Madison Cawthorn or, or Fox News and the like, and, and heighten that pressure as well, because I think that's also something that's going to garner more of those people who we may have lost now that the world has opened back up again, and a lot of people have a little bit of fatigue as they're out there living their lives. All right, folks. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll tell you about the Smithsonian uh, actually going digital for you to check it out. And, of course, we'll talk about Thanksgiving. It's, of course, this week on Thursday. But can you have a healthy Thanksgiving? Do you want to? We'll discuss it right here. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. Betty is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now... 
she's free to become Bear Hug Betty. Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. Ooh, where you going? Y'all know who Roland Martin is. He got the ass got on, he do the news. It's fancy news. Keep it rolling, right here. Rolling. Roland Martin. <laughs> right now. You are watching Roland Martin, unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really, it's Roland Martin. All right, folks, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, they've launched a digital platform for individuals who want to explore the museum but can't come to D.C. The searchable museum will allow the public to view exhibits of the five-year-old landmark at their own pace and in their own time. The museum, which opened to the public on September 24, 2016, has 40,000 artifacts. So you now can check that out online. So good luck. Four black men are formally cleared of all charges related to the 1949 rape of a white woman. Today, a Florida judge dismissed the charges and convictions against the Groveland Four, Ernest Thomas, Samuel Shepard, Charles Greenlee, and Walter Irvin. They were falsely accused. Thomas and Shepard were fatally shot by law enforcement. Greenlee and Irvin were convicted and served prison sentences. Evidence showed the sheriff and others affiliated with the case had falsely accused the men. It's too late, though. And this is the reality of what it means to be black in America. It is way too late. A new film centering on Richard Williams, the father of tennis legends Venus and Serena Williams, has come with a host of praise and criticism. King Richard shows the obstacles Williams, the Williams faced as he secured lessons, training, and opportunities for his talented black daughters in a white-dominated industry. The tennis stars uh, were executive producers of the film, but they only did so after seeing the film. Now you've had critics, some of them black, like Amanda Seals, some of them white, like Dr. Jess Taylor. She tweeted, did they seriously make a film called King Richard about the success of Serena and Venus Williams, but it's about their dad, Richard? In response, the mayor of St. Louis, Tashara Jones, tweeted, King Richard centers black fatherhood, a concept that the media seems to forget even exists. Yes, black women can be bosses and love their fathers enough to lift them up when everyone else tears them down. Hashtag black girls, black girl dads matter. Uh, Bishop Tarabert Swan uh, tweeted, is a white woman seriously taking issues with a film about a strong black man raising his black daughters and being an integral part of their success? That's not the narrative you used, you're used to, is it? By the way, Venus and Serena were producers. Why are you so, why are you so uh, pressed? Now, other people, other stories have been written about this here, and, and I commented on this weekend as well. And frankly, it's trash on Macongo, these individuals. They absolutely are trash. And what you see is this constant assault on black men. Look, I got no problem celebrating sisters. I got no problem uh, when we talk about, uh, again, um, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, appreciating them. But to act as if there is a Venus and Serena without Richard Williams, you've got to be stuck on stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, it, it, it's sad. And I, I'm even starting, I've started working on a documentary on black fathers because it's just so easy to exclude us and ignore us. And you're right, you uplift black women here all of the time and everybody knows the track record. And we have to understand that there's room for both, right? There's room for celebrate the sisters and the brothers, whether we're talking politics, whether we're talking this, right? But people are not used to seeing black fathers in prominent roles. And to be quite honest, even with some of these stories we're talking about with Amart Arbery, uh, Trayvon Martin and the like, even when the stories are told, they only really talk about the moms. And in many of these cases, Mike Brown, the fathers are present as well. We've become very comfortable with speaking about black fathers as if they don't exist or if they've always been absent, even though the CDC has shown in its own study that black fathers, whether they're married or not, are more engaged in the lives of their children than other racial groups. And I have not seen King uh, Richard yet. I plan to. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we take every opportunity to center black fathers because it just doesn't happen enough. You know, uh, to, to sit here, and, and not all the critics uh, are white women. Like I say, you've had some black folks as well. But it's some white women who are running their mouths uh, complaining about this. And, and frankly, Julian, uh, they're despicable. They're despicable because... Again, you cannot tell the story of Serena and Venus without Richard Williams. And the crazy part is, this is a story that they wanted told. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I mean, I have had the privilege of spending some time in the company of, of both young ladies. And um, if they chose to be executive producers, it's because they approved of the content. And I must say... No, 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 no. They approved of it after it was made. They, I'm trying to find the video where they literally said to Will Smith, we are going to wait until after the film is done, and if we like what we see, then we will attach our names executive producers. That, Precisely. That normally, normally, people come on the front end and you don't really have control of it afterwards. They said, you can't put our name on it till we see the finished product. And they've never, ever, ever, ever uh, disparaged their dad. Ever, ever, ever. They uplift their mother at all times. She travels with them often. But they have never disparaged their dad. They lift him up. The matter, the fact of the matter is Richard Williams had the idea to hit those uh, courts in Inglewood, had the idea to get them practicing. Orsine was a big part of it also. But the fact is that he thought about this. He thought about it, and he drilled them almost relentlessly. These white women need to shut the you-know-what up and go home. And don't come back outside until you read some black history, until you looked at what happens in our communities. It is far too easy for folks to sideline black men who have an integral role to play uh, in the development of black boys and girls. An integral role to play. And so... You know, these white women can just, you know what, I'm not even going to say what they can do on your show, Roland. I have too much respect for you, but let them use their imagination. I am sick of white girls inserting themselves in black lives, especially after you let off in this segment with the story of the young men who were killed for a false accusation. The fact is that white women all too often are the death of black men, whether it is the physical death or the metaphoric death. Well, uh, many people have seen this video. And again, if you want to see Richard Williams, you want to see uh, why he mattered. When a reporter was interviewing uh, uh, Venus, 
um, to just watch this exchange. Uh, and what you need to understand, the tennis community, this is why they despised Richard Williams, because that black man stood up to them and said, y'all ain't running this, I am. You a whole ass and ego be in the grave. When she said something, we done told you what's happening. We're going to sit here. Hold on one second. We're going to fix the audio here. Uh, so we've got uh, the video playing. Uh, got the video playing here. So let me uh, fix that audio. Uh, so I'm going to find a better clip uh, so you can actually see it. Uh, and again, th this is this is Richard. Uh, this is Richard Williams in all his glory. Check this out. His whole deal was he was not going to let them shake their confidence. And what a lot of people also don't realize, uh, Makongo and Julian, is that Richard Williams, uh, there were people who were saying, put them on a junior circuit. Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. And then Venus signed with Nike. I think Venus signed with Nike. Uh, one of them signed with Nike. Then Nike thought, I think, yeah, I think Venus signed, I think Venus signed with Nike. And Nike was sure they were gonna get Serena. He like, nope, Puma. He he controlled that deal and they hated that black man. They wanted to take over and run the careers of both. He said, hell no, y'all ain't doing that. And he forced the tennis industry to deal with the racism that existed in the industry. You know, Oh, Julian, hold on. I'm a Congo. You go this first time. Then Julian, go. Well, one of the beautiful things about that video with the reporter is that, you know, he did that in front of her, you know, to show her the importance of, of not being scared and standing up. And, and that was very powerful. When you talk about tackling the racism in the industry, every time we watch them, you know, when you see other white tennis players, people talk about how graceful they are. But with the Williams sisters, it was always about how strong and forceful they are. You know, he understood all of that. He, he plotted this even before they were born, as they said. And really, at the end of the day, when you can show your kids to be fearless. You know, one of the things I talked with a black parent, she said, you know, I have my black kids in private school because I want them to know that they can compete with white people on any level. You have to ingrain it at a young level so that when they get older, there is no fear. And are these sisters not fearless out there owning sports teams, doing all of the stuff that they're doing right now? And their father is central to that role. And I can't wait to see this film because it highlights that. It centers black father. In that interview, it was just everything. Okay, but 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 Julian, I, I do want as people may have actually missed this part. Uh, I want y'all to see Venus's face when Richard stepped in. 
She immediately with her fingers like, mm, your ass in trouble, homeboy. You in trouble. I want y'all, I want y'all just to watch, watch Venus, y'all. Listen, we can't keep interrupting him. If you want, you have to understand that you're dealing with an image of a 14-year-old child, and this child will be out there playing with you old ass and ego being the grave. Mm, well, he, he come. She like, I'm just gonna sit that. right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, Roland. One of the things you Girls and boys have been on the junior circuit. You combine mean girl syndrome with white supremacy, with uh, the, t the competitiveness of the tennis world, and what ends up happening is these young girls get broken down. I mean, because I've had a, a colleague who talked about how people put cut their uh, racket strings, put feces wow. in the girls' shoes. Uh, these white girls want to win at any cost. And I think Richard must have thought, well, if they're going to have to go through all that, let's go through it on the main circuit with the big money. And he pumped them up with the kind of confidence that was unshakable. So they had to do all kind of nonsense. Remember the, the woman that Richard called a big old white turkey, a French Open winner, who deliberately bumped into Venus, deliberately bumped her. Um, and he just had her back completely, totally. So did a whole lot of other folks. But he had instilled in them, you know, essentially just an infallibility so that even when they lost, and like Nikki Giovanni used to say, even my errors are correct. And so that's what that black mm -hmm. man did for those black girls. And he should be celebrated. It's I can't, I can't wait to see the... The film, either. I really do want to see it. But I, I want to say kudos to Richard Williams, kudos to Venus and Serena, kudos to Orsine Price. This is an amazing family. And to Isha and to Lindea, the rest of them, because that is a powerful family. Well, bottom line is this here. Uh, you sit here. Uh, and look, a lot of people hated Tiger Woods' daddy. And guess what? Y'all, you, <laughs> and again, this ain't no respect, this ain't no disrespect to single mothers but they can't stand it when a black man is there with his child. And so to all y'all haters, shut the hell up. King Richard, he the king. And when you come for the king, you gonna sit here and get smacked when you come for the king. Let me go to a break, we come back, we'll talk about Thanksgiving, eating healthy. Is that even possible? Next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Our stars are 
Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Nelson. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. All right, folks. Uh, Thanksgiving. Thursday. And we already know what's going to happen. Folks going to be sitting here. They're already preparing their food. They're already getting the side dishes, the main dish. Y'all know I'm going to be eating gumbo. Uh, and so can you have a healthy Thanksgiving? You know it's going to be that person going to come to the house, and they're going to be sitting there trying to have y'all have a vegan Thanksgiving. Uh, they're going to be trying to tell you don't do the turkey. They're going to try to tell you uh, how to fix the sides a little differently. So what should you do this week? How should you handle yourself. Well, let's go to personal trainer Rod Johnson, uh, steel of fitness in Atlanta uh, with some ideas. All right, Rod, what do you tell your clients this week? What do you tell them to do and not to do? So Roland, I got to tell you, the first thing first is you can't start trying to eat healthy on Thanksgiving. That's the first <laughs> thing. So just, just ain't possible. Be, it ain't possible. You got to lead up to it. So the biggest thing is that for most people, I usually say, starting this week, all right, don't starve yourself. Just try to eat lighter. And lighter means just eat foods that we know that doesn't hold a lot of calories. Don't go hungry, because the fact of the matter is that if you start eating lighter, literally eating lighter, and you're hungry all the time, it's going to make it worse come Thanksgiving. So the biggest thing is that drink a lot of water, try to avoid a lot of excess sugar, you know, and try to do this gradually. The biggest thing is make sure you have some protein in there each time you have a meal or a drink to ensure that you don't get hungry. Because the biggest thing is, I know Thanksgiving, most people say, hey, I don't, I'm not going to eat a whole lot. But they end up eating a whole more than they usually do. That's because the foods are usually heavier and laden with a lot of starch, a lot of butter and oils. So the biggest thing is that on, come Thanksgiving Day, Make sure you have a nice breakfast. A breakfast, you know, don't skip out on the breakfast. Make sure there's some protein with it. Make sure that uh, when we talk about carbohydrates, we're usually talking about grains or fruits and things like that. And drink water throughout the day. And when it comes to the actual meal itself, just make sure. Uh, talk about healthy, breast of the meat, white meat. Think about, and if you're somebody who's used to eating casseroles or eating um, even the greens laden with a bunch of oils and stuff like that, if you're the one preparing the meal, think about pulling back on some of that. Research says that you can take out some of the bowl, up some of the butter and the oils up to half percent and still have good flavor. You know, so if you're somebody who wants your family to live longer and be healthier, pull out some of that oil. I talk about the biggest thing when you talk about uh, sweet potatoes. Instead of having just sweet potato pie, have some roasted sweet potatoes. Yeah, you may not like that, but I tell you, it makes a huge difference, too. We also talk about adding some potatoes with there, too, because, you know, it's colder out now. We want to have some more comfort food, so we eat a lot heavier. But the thing is, you want to make sure that when you schedule your meal, you look at the starches, make sure it's balanced, and eat smaller portions, too. 
uh, too often that we think that we have to have the most food on the plate in order to really truly enjoy it. And then we're stuffed the rest of the day. And so backing it up. So I usually say if you're going to do something on Thanksgiving to really start your day so you have a nice hearty meal, if you want to, start off with a good breakfast like I mentioned. Add a little walk, maybe a 20, 30-minute walk before you eat. Once you eat, sit down with the family. And after you eat, do some games with the family if you can or go for a walk. Make sure your activity is involved in there, too. The meal itself, is, it's not all about the meal. It's really about you enjoying each other, right? But the food is the biggest thing that most people eye on. So really balance that out. And I usually uh, encourage most people to really think about what are their goals beyond Thanksgiving Day. Because eating the same foods every single day beyond Thanksgiving is going to turn into a whole lot of ugliness. I know, Roland, you talked about earlier about being down 20 pounds. Most people are that and up since being in a pandemic. So you don't want to leave Thanksgiving adding another 5 and 10 pounds if you're eating that food and the next day and the day after that. Make sure you pull back on that, you know. And there's nothing wrong with saving and freezing something, having some for maybe Christmas, but not every single day. Well, I think also, I mean, the reality is this here. When you're talking about, uh, when you're talking about uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving, when you're talking about, um, um, you know, we know it's Thursday. It's, you know, what are you deciding? What are you deciding, you know, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday? That's just one of the things that uh, you have to actually decide. Uh, and so uh, you, you don't go crazy, you know, with your eating. And look, you, if you know you also going to eat more, uh, on Thursday, I think you also learn uh, to pull back, if you will, uh, and then also decide don't don't go buck wild crazy Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're exactly right. And, you know, speaking of that, so I usually say the biggest thing is you talk about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. When I said earlier about eating lighter, I'm saying eating lighter, but add a little activity with that, too, because it, trust me, if you start pulling back on some of those calories, but not to the point that you're hungry, but pulling back on some of those calories, by the time you lead up to Thanksgiving, <laughs> chances are you probably won't eat as much as you think you're going to eat. And two, when you do eat what you eat, um, we love the dressing. We, know, we love the macaroni and cheese. We love the greens and all those things laden with what it's laden with. Because I'm not telling you not to enjoy yourself, but I am telling you to pull back on how much of that. Enjoy yourself. Just know, like we mentioned, the day after and the day after, um, make sure you eat a little lighter, meaning change the food sources. Maybe not have those greens. Have maybe have a salad. Maybe have some some green beans, roasted green beans, or, or uh, sautéed. It makes a huge difference. Just change the food. Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving, and it's meant for that day, not all the days beyond and before. All right, I'm a Congo Julian. What's your question? I want to ask a brother. Um... In terms of you talk about pulling back, and people always talk about folks pulling back, but the fact is that when people are sitting around a table convivially and people are passing the stuff around and, you know, people are having maybe a glass of wine or two, uh, the limitations um, basically go away. You may have intended to eat properly, but you get with the gang and somebody says, oh, you're not going to have my mac and cheese, you know, and you, it, basically you can have another spoon of mac and cheese because it was your sister who made it. What do, how, how do people convince themselves that Thanksgiving is about thanksgiving? Thank God for <laughs> living long and, and being this healthy. How do we convince people to change their mindset, even just a little bit? Well, that's such a good point there. I tell you, we do tend to talk a lot. But the thing is, I find that the more you talk, the less you probably eat. Um, and two is that when you, you want to think more healthily when you talk about uh, Thanksgiving. Just think about what are your, what are your goals? 
do you want to have a better quality of life? Yeah, I want to eat. If I say yes, yeah, I want to eat a little better. Doesn't mean that you can't enjoy yourself on Thanksgiving, but it definitely means that this cannot be something that you do every single day. And you want to make sure you talk about it. Get some family members to go in with you and talk about, hey, let's go and do a big walk before and after eating. Um, let's go to the grocery store together and kind of figure out some foods that we can eat to make sure that we have a more helpful lifestyle beyond and before Thanksgiving. Omakongo. I really appreciate everything that you're, you're, you're talking about, sir. And uh, one of the questions I have is, do you think that one of the things we should be considering is maybe increasing our liquid intake during the more you talked about the breakfast but i'm thinking maybe if we're drinking some, all the, some more water all, all depends tea, on what liquid help. <laughs> that's what well, i was about exactly to say, right. about to say. i'm thinking like you know some water some teas it can kind of help suppress the hunger a little bit for when it's meal time could that help as well no you're exactly right i think when when i talk about having a nice breakfast particularly on thanksgiving day is key and also having water with it having water as and when i say having water after it like a snack time adding some fruits and vegetables with that, and then, and protein as well. I say protein because it keeps you satiated. It keeps you full longer. So having some protein, drinking fluids, water with that, and throughout the day kind of helps. And even throughout the week to kind of prepare yourself too, um, kind of help um, get that system good and ready for what you're about to do on Thanksgiving. So yeah, fluid is so important. Limit the alcohol, limit the, the mixers that we usually add with the alcohol too. I know we love that wine and we love other things too, is that think about that too. Put that in moderation too. Think about it. If you're gonna have it, maybe have it just when you're sitting around and eating. You know, like I mentioned earlier, most times if you're just talking, 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 usually you're eating less. Anyway, and by the time you finish talking, the food is cold and you are gonna heat it up or you just don't want it. So think about it that way as well. Oh, you know they're going to have that Hennessy and Cognac. <laughs> you know that's going to happen. All right. Rod Johnson, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you. Thanks for your time. All right. I want to thank uh, Juliana McCongo and uh, Amisha for joining us. I hate that her uh, internet went out, but we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Uh, again, please uh, download our uh, app, our Black Star Network app, if you have not done so so far. You can do it on your Apple phone, your Android phone. You can do it on Apple TV, Android TV, your Roku. You can do it on uh, Amazon Fire Stick. You can do it on Samsung uh, Smart TV as well as Xbox. So please uh, do so. Uh, again, our goal is to hit 50,000 downloads by December 31st. All right, folks, don't forget to also join our Bring the Fuck fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Of course, it's Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingthismartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And Wednesday, we're debuting my new show, Rolling with Roland. We've had some amazing interviews we've been shooting all across the country. My goodness, y'all. Richard Lawson, uh, Glenn Turman, uh, Bill Duke, Jack A., Mario Van Peebles, Jeffrey Osborne, Michael Collier. Uh, we've been talking to uh, Richard Roundtree. Uh, let's see, Dondre Whitfield, Laz Alonzo, Michael Ely, Damaris Lewis. Uh, Michelle Roberts, the sister who runs uh, the National Basketball Players Association, Will Downing, Melba Moore. Uh, we've had just some great, great interviews and some people I'm forgetting uh, right now. But so first up is going to be Johnny Gill. And it, in this preview, I asked Johnny, was there anybody who just insisted on closing after a new edition and y'all had to put that heat on them? He said, yeah, Brian McKnight. Watch this. I'm about to give you something yep. 
that's going to put you in that. You're going to remember this. Yeah, I was on tour. So Brian wanted to be the headliner. Now, you're headliner with New Edition. So we're like, OK, you want to be the headliner? Not a problem. Listen, since you so, think you big, that big and bad, OK? Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget one night, we, uh, two of the guys, their driver got lost. I think it was Westbury we were playing. And I'll never forget, um, we asked, they asked him if he didn't mind going on first and uh, we, we would close out. And he, they came back and said, he said, no. I'll give him his prop. He took it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough out there. By the time he would come out, you could hear echoes. <laughs> wow. And, So again, that's going to debut Wednesday. So we're not going to have a live Roland Martin Unfiltered. So we're going to go ahead and roll Rolling with Roland uh, on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, the debut of that show presented by Verizon. Uh, again, folks, we've had some crazy fun interviews. Sally Richardson Whitfield, let's say Richard Roundtree, actor Trevor Jackson, Flex Alexander, music director Ray Chu. I mean, we've just had some just some fabulous, fabulous interviews. We're going to drop a new one every two weeks. And so we're going to debut it on the Black Star Network. We've got some other shows that we're launching as well. Can't wait to tell you about that. Uh, and so again, first one up, our show on the Black Star Network drops on Wednesday. All right, I'll see you guys tomorrow right here. Roland Martin Unfiltered. Grambling, I'm rocking y'all gear. Bayou Classics this weekend. Southern, y'all want me to rock your gear? You got to drop something in the mail. Just saying. Holler! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rival, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season now's the time to buy at fisher homes for a limited time only enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375 percent apr 6.139 percent apr with these exclusive lower rates you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home financing provided by victory mortgage llc nmls 461249 equal housing lender